Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other public forums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, and social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of Truth Revival. This should be episode nine. My name is Roman Hamilton. With me today, we got Mr. Nationwide. God. Nationwide, Paul yeah. Chapman. No, I, no. What, the great thing about today is we got Worldwide as our we guest. We got Mr. Worldwide, <laughs> Scotty Bales. Uh, Scotty, uh, Scotty's coming to us. Uh, now, Scotty, are you a ball playboy? No, I'm a MacMinn County. MacMinn County boy. Okay. All right. So uh, coming from MacMinn County, and Scotty's been uh, doing some work in Ecuador. Now, Scotty, would you say that you are just a, a, a missionary in Ecuador, or do you have other mission projects going on? Or We do missions everywhere. Missions everywhere? Uh, we do a lot there in the community. Uh and when the door opens up, I'll go wherever God sends me. Okay. But, you know, yes, you most know, everything is there in Ecuador right now. So the majority of stuff's done in Ecuador. Well, awesome, Scotty. Well, we're just going to dive right into this episode. Uh, Scotty, just tell us briefly a little bit about the the history of the, the mission, how you got started in it. I know we sh- you shared a little bit of that earlier um, before we even began the show. But uh, just talk to me, uh, tell our audience, our listeners a little bit about um, about you, about how you got started in missions, and then we're going to dive right in. Thank you, sir. Um, this thing started in 1998. The first mission trip ever to go on was to the uh, Four Corners, to the Navajo Indian Nation. And it was just something that really got into my spirit, and I fell in love with missions and started working there. And then I had the opportunity to go to Nigeria, Africa. Worked over there for 14 years, uh, at least once a year doing the orphans and the widows program. But in those 14 years, God allowed me to able to go to uh, Haiti, four different journeys, and we built three churches there. And all over the United States, had the privilege to work, and God opened up many doors. And in 2014, everything kind of came to a standstill. Mm-hmm. I was devastated and the doors all closed and I was broken. And on a Sunday afternoon, and all this happened that morning, but on a Sunday afternoon, weeping, praying, and I received a phone call from a friend of mine and asking me to pray about something. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, pray about going to Ecuador with me. And I kind of laughed, and I said, uh, when are we going, and how much money do I need? He said, no, I want you to pray about it. I said, you don't understand. I'll tell you sometime down the line, but I said, uh, you know, when are we going? You know, let's just pause right there for a second, Scotty. <laughs> I have had situations in my life where I'm praying for God to make a way, for God to open doors of opportunity. And then that opportunity presents itself, 
And you know what we do? Well, uh, just let me think about that for a second. Yeah. Uh, let, let, me, let me pray about that. Yeah, I'm not sure, not sure. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. If you've been praying about it and God opens that door, walk through it with courage, with yeah. faith, right? I feel like so many times in our lives we're praying for God to do something and God moves and we say, hmm, let me let me think about this. Yeah. I need I need to see the holes in your hands. Yeah. To make sure this is for real, you know. Uh, Lord, can you can you yeah, Doubt and Thomas type thing. Uh I've 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 had so many people uh give a testimony and say, God would be dealing with them in church. And they'll say something like, Well, okay, God, if, if you really want this to happen, just let the preacher say this. Or or God, if you really want it, let that light flicker. Or Gideon God, fleece. I need yeah, a fleece. Yeah, yeah, the Gideon fleece. There you go. So I want to encourage our listeners out there. If you're praying for God to move and for God to open up doors of opportunity, just like Scotty said, when when God moves, walk through that door faithfully and with courage and boldness. Go ahead. When you do that, brother, God just refreshed my memory on a, an ordeal, and it's in Scripture, you know, Isaiah 6. You know, so many people sit back, well, if God wants me to do it, I'll do it. Uh, but then, again, when God opens up the door, they question. Mm. You know, the Bible tells me in Ecclesiastes, you know, it's better to not make a vow to God than make mm. a vow and break it. Come on. That's true. Now, Brother Paul's known me for several years, and we've been around each other, and I've always been the type of person, if I tell you something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right. And I'll never forget, in 1998, when I give my life to the Christ, I stood behind a pulpit, and I read Isaiah 6. And when Isaiah said, uh, when the Lord said, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? Yes. I raised my hands. Mm. I said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. <laughs> and God has sent me around the world. Praise God. I have probably been between 40 and 50 mission trips in other countries. Wow. God has always provided. And what people don't realize, God's not looking for a qualified person to do something. Yeah. He's looking for someone who's just willing to say, here I am. Mm. Use me, Lord. That's good. Yeah. 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 Uh, now, now this is an old saying that I've heard, and, and I don't know if there's a, like a specific reference in Scripture for this, but it'll say, um, God doesn't call the qualified. Mm-hmm. He qualifies the called. Amen. Amen. That's true. <laughs> and that's true. It is true. Continue on, Brother Scotty. So anyway, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Ecuador. And like so many other people in the world, I'm there, I'm excited, and I'm wanting to be used. And I'm the new kid in town. I am with you know, I'm with thirteen or fourteen missionaries and I'm the new guy and they're all sitting there looking and I'm telling them of my past and all the things that's been accomplished through Christ and what we're doing. And I'm sure they were all just sitting there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first year, it was just something, and you know, you just sat there and you just wanting to be used so bad. And the opportunity wasn't occurring, but I was still content. And then the following year, I had the opportunity to go back and I was there, and I had the privilege to meet the president of the Quechua Indians worldwide. And uh, we were going to be having a crusade, and there were like 3,000 Quechua Indians in, under this tent. 
and they were trying to figure out how they were going to feed them. Mm. And all the teams trying to put their money together and trying to come up with some money. And I just looked up and I said, I'll take care of this program. And they all looked at me and said, do what? I said, I'll, I'll feed everybody. I'll buy all the food. You know, are you sure about this? Mm-hmm. I said, God's got it. Man. And uh, we loaded up and uh, with the president and he and I went to the market and we bought three truck loads of groceries. <laughs> now, we didn't go and buy a bag of potatoes. Mm. We bought 100-pound sacks. We bought like 500 pounds of potatoes. And it, you know, But anyway, we fed all the people. Now, nobody knew what was going on except the teammates. And, of course, I didn't care. I didn't want to be known. I didn't want, you know, yeah. I just wanted to be used by God. And what was so funny we done it, fed everybody, and at the end of the crusade that night, we were all standing there, and it's, it's over with, and uh, we've had an awesome crusade, and the president gets up on stage, and I'm back here in the corner. I'm just, you know, I'm nobody. I'm a little moron, and he says, uh, <laughs> Scotty, come up here, and he calls me up on stage, and he told the people that their meal came through you know, me. I said, no, it came from Christ. Yeah. God provided. Amen. And I said, I'm just a I'm just a vessel. But that built a bond because I was doing what I was saying I could do. And one of the biggest blessings I received was last July. I've been working in Ecuador now, like I said, going on eight years. But we were there with a team. I took a team down, and Pastor DeGuermo is the one that sets everything up and we're sitting there talking and he's been doing mission work and mission, bringing missionaries in for 40 years. And he said something to me that just nobody knows, but it cut my, cut me to the bone. He said, brother Scott, I want to share something with you. And he turned this in front of the team. He said, I have worked with lots of missionaries. He said, they come in and they build the people up and they're going to do this and they're going to do that and get the people's hopes built up. And he said, then they leave and they never come back. Mm. He said, but I've learned something. He said, you came down here and you told the people what you would do, and you have fulfilled every promise you made. I said, no, God has. And he said, well, I just want you to know this. You're a true person. He said, everything you say you will do, you will do. And I said, well, that's always been my prayer, you know, just to be used by God. I said, I have nothing. Everything I have belongs to God. And I said, that's all I want to do. I just want to be able to share the gospel and be a true Christian. Yeah. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Uh, uh, I want to go back a little bit, Scotty, <clears throat> and just iterate on how, how I know you before we continue on because I've got some parts of the story that we discussed when we were working together a couple weeks ago that I want you to get into. Um, so... I, my son's 19 years old. He'll be 20 in August. Uh, Scott, I met Scotty Bells probably a year and a half before my oldest son was born. And Scotty holds a special place in my heart because Scotty was there when I dedicated him to Jesus. Wow. He helped in the, in the mm-hmm. service. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no matter where I go or where Scotty's at, Scotty always holds a special place in my heart. And I've watched Scotty. You know, when I was involved with him, I was doing a ton of mission work, too. I mean, I, we went to Detroit. I think I went to Brazil twice. 
We did a lot of things in the community. We were really mission minded. We did a whole lot of mission work. And, uh, <clears throat> but a lot of those times, because Scotty's main focus was Africa. He was going to Nigeria over in Africa and, and helping feed. And I remember that story about the, it, I think it was like $10,000 worth of rice. Y'all had to get in there and it, it was kind of crazy. But, <laughs> but uh, when we would go on our trips, Scotty would stay and hold the fort down and run the church. So not only was Scotty totally into missions, but he was he was also taking care of things at home too, you know. So uh, his talent is multifaceted. He mm -hmm. handles a lot of different things. And uh, I think the consistency of who he is has helped place him. And when he tells you he has nothing, he's not exaggerating. He's given everything he's ever had away. And I can attest to that. It's amazing. Well, you know, when I gave my life to the Lord Paul in 1988, I started realizing a lot of things. You know, I came into this world naked. <laughs> yeah. And I'm leaving it naked. Mm -hmm. The things I do is because where I come from. I grew up in a, you know, a little bitty four-room home with seven brothers and sisters and mom and dad. Mm. Now, we never did have everything that we wanted to eat. We might not have had steak, uh, but I never went to bed hungry. Yeah. God had always provided. Yes. And I realized where I came from, you know, where did I get what I got? From God. Yeah. From the Father, yeah. I mean, and that's what I'm trying to you know, tell people. And I ain't in Ecuador. <laughs> I'm going to tell a little real quickly, but we'll get back into it just a little bit more. I was in Ecuador in December and you know, and had all this money to do all this work with, and we were doing it. Well, you know, when you're in a third world country, you kind of got to watch a little bit because you got to come home. Yeah. And... <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm doing all this and everything gets thrown at me. I never told nobody no. No church, no communities. If they asked, we done it. I'm getting ready to come home on Tuesday night. I'm coming home Tuesday night. And I get my wallet out and let's see. All right, now let me see what I got here. I got to have $40 at the airport <laughs> and I got to eat. All right, that's, you know, and I looked, I had. I had so much money and $55. Well, I took what extra I had and I gave it to the pastor to take care of some programs. And I got ready to leave Ecuador on Monday night or Tuesday night. I had $55. And you needed 40 at the airport for your bags. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I had 50, $55. He dropped me off in front of the airport and uh, he said, you need anything? I said, I'm good. I said, I got $55. I said, I got to give them 40 at the airport. I said, that gives me $15 to eat on. Give me something to eat. I said, and I'll be home tomorrow. And I said, and I get to Atlanta, I ain't worried about nothing. I get, I'll get, you know, make it. I walked in the airport to the uh, ticket desk and they typed my ticket in. And the whole time I've got the $40 already in my shirt pocket to hand it for my luggage. And she said, how many bags are you checking in, sir? I said, two. First one's free, the second one's $40. Two. She types two in and all this good stuff. And all of a sudden she says, uh, have a safe journey and hand me my tickets. 
They didn't charge me the $40. So I still come home. Paul, I had enough to eat on and had a little money left over to get home on. That's funny. <laughs> but anyway, that's how God has always taken care of us. Now, you were over there uh, when COVID. Were you there when COVID hit, or did you go right after the COVID hit the first time? When COVID hit the first time, I decided to go in February okay. of 19 and 20. So it hit in, in January. It February. started hitting. Yes. I'm there, and uh, I don't watch news because, yeah, I'm not, you know, and I'm around people, and I'm, you know, they're talking, but I don't know what it is. I get to the airport to come home, and there's a family, and they've all got masks on, the children and all, and I'm like, what's wrong with them? You know, what's going on? I came home on February the 28th. On March the 3rd, they shut the world down. Wow. And I realized what was going on. Yeah. I wanted to go back to Ecuador. I had, a, I had the honor. I was fixing to do a television radio broadcast with the Quechua Nation Worldwide. I'm the guest speaker. I'm excited. July the 16th, it's all set in stone. You know, we're on a roll. I'm excited. I come home. I'm telling everybody. Well, I started realizing, you know, hey, I may not get to go. Yeah. I may not get to go. Well, it broke my heart. Mm. Everybody asked me, well, what are you going to do? Shorty? I said, I'm going to Ecuador. But how are you going to go? You know, everything shut down. There's no way. You know. I'm going to Ecuador. I kept saying that. July came and there wasn't no airlines flying. You know, everything's, you know, man, I'm just broken. Well, in August, somewhere around the 1st of August, Delta sent me an email and said, uh, we're opening flights to South America. You know, I said, praise the Lord, I'm going to Ecuador. <laughs> and I run and got my pastor and uh, I said, order me a ticket. We got on the internet, and you know he orders me a ticket uh, for September the eighth. I'm going to Ecuador. I'm excited. Got my tickets and all this stuff, and I called Ecuador and I told him, "Hey, I'm coming." I'm. Uh, I get to Chattanooga Airport and I walk up to the counter, and I hand the lady my passport, and she says, uh, "Well, she just looks at me real different." And I said, "What's wrong?" She said, sir, we're not flying to Ecuador. Uh-uh. I've got a ticket right here. You know, she said, you've not received an email? I said, ma'am, I'm going to Ecuador. You sold me a ticket. I've got people waiting. I have to go today. She didn't know what to do. I don't, I didn't care what you do. I'm going to Ecuador tonight. <laughs> she puts me on the phone with, I guess, head corporate. We have it, a few words exchanged, you know, and everything. I said, okay, we'll get you to Ecuador on a new, a different airline. I said, I don't care. So normally it takes me six hours of flight to get to Ecuador. It took me 24 hours to get there. Mm. But I went. I had to go to Houston. 
I had to spend the night in Houston and all this stuff, but I got there the next day. But what was so funny, Polly, you were talking about it. I'm living with a family, and we're out doing things, and COVID has hit, and people are dying like flies. There, while there. you're in Ecuador. Yeah. I was asked, and I visited many people, but I was asked to go to the leaders, the Indian leaders' home. And when I approached his home, we had a GPS, and we were going down the street, and I seen this lady come out of this house. Didn't think anything about it, but we missed it. So he calls him, and we pull up at this house. Well, we go in, and it's the only place Paul I've ever been scared. I'm standing in there, and I'm looking around, and my hands are in my pocket. I ain't touching nothing. This thing's real. You're like, COVID's everywhere. Oh, COVID's gosh. everywhere. <laughs> a family, and this is literally a, a man, his wife, and two children are sitting in the floor to die. So you're in the fiery furnace. I, <laughs> yeah. I am in the furnace. I'm, I'm nervous. I won't even shake hands with them. I'm kind of keeping my distance. Yeah. And the Lord, I want you to give them so much money. I just kind of turned around and got my wallet and got some money out at the amounts that the Lord said, give them. And I handed it to him. And when I handed him the money, him and his wife, both tears just started flowing down their cheek. And I'm, you know, Grimo, what's going on? I mean, I ain't done nothing except, you know, give them just a little bit of money. And they're talking in Spanish and they relate to me. The lady that I had seen come out of the house was the landlord. And she told them they had to have so much money by 4 o'clock or get out. They're starving. They're sitting on the floor to die. There's not a bite of food in the house. And they've lost their home. God told me to give them a certain amount of money, and when I did... It was the exact amount of money the lady had required by four o'clock. Mm. How about that? Lord knows. Lord knows all things. Yeah. You know, Scotty, while you've been talking, there's a, a scripture that just keeps resonating with me and it just keeps coming back to my heart. I want to read it. It's out of Luke chapter number six, verse 38. It says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Mm. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you met with all, it shall be measured to you again. What does that verse mean to you, it's Paul? What does that mean to you? Have you, have you, are you familiar with that verse? Yes. What it means to me, and that's the reason I do what I do. I'll give you the shirt off my back, because if I give you the shirt off my back, I know that God's going to provide me a shirt and a jacket. <laughs> you see, uh, Paul, you go ahead. Tell us what that verse means to you. No, I, I just, you know, um, shirt and a jacket. I love it. Uh, I mean, everybody that knows me knows that I am big time on giving. And and the day that the Lord broke the spirit of poverty off of me, Scotty was there. Wow, Scotty was there. He actually saw it. I don't know if he remembers it or not, but 
you know, I had that check wrote and the minute I'd got a check in the mail, the Lord told me to give it all. And, uh, and I, I wrote down a number I wanted to give. Mm. And I was sitting two rows back, two seats in. Scotty always sat over to the right, and I sat in the middle to the left. And the Lord, the Lord put me with Scotty in this time to learn to give. I know with it beyond a shadow of doubt, the re, my season with Scotty was to learn how to give everything I got. So I'm sitting there, and the Lord said, I told you to give it all. And I'm like, are you crazy? I'm paying a credit card off. Mm. Ain't no way. <laughs> ain't no way I'm giving this to you, you know? And he said, I told you to give it all. I mean, I'm arguing with the Lord in the midst of this service. So I look over, and I'm like, give me the checkbook. Give me the checkbook. And, and she's like, what are you doing? You're a fool. She, she literally said, you're a fool. You're an idiot. It ain't the wife I have now. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, of course, she probably said, I'm a fool and an idiot too. But anyway, uh, I'm like, give me that checkbook. And I just, and I wrote it. $998. I'll never forget it. That was my total tax refund. <laughs> and the minute I stood up, I broke. I went, I sobbed. And sobbed and sobbed. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Truth Revival is brought to you by Senior Lopez Mexican Grill, 105 Mechapike, Teleco Plains, Tennessee. Paul, why don't you tell our listeners what's happening at Senior Lopez? Hey, take the family down Monday night for trivia, 6.30 to 7.30. Tuesday is my favorite day. Tuesday is Teleco Spirit Tuesday, where 10% of all proceeds go to the town of Teleco Plains, Rome, which is a great idea, and I love that. Bingo, Thursday night at 6.30, and Saturday night is live music from 6.30 to 8.30, so take the family down, relax, have a great meal, where the food is fresh and the family is welcome. Come home for dinner at Senior Lopez. And now, the continuation of Truth Revival. And I walked and I gave it. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm right. <laughs> you know, but, and here's the thing. Like you said, Scotty, you said, if I give you my shirt, God's going to give me a shirt and a jacket. This is no, this is a truth. You, this is the truth. And he can attest to this. I'm walking out that morning to go to the car to go eat lunch yada 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 probably got slapped in the back of the head for writing that check you know you're an idiot and the pastor of the church grabbed me by the shoulder he said hey we're building this youth center over here i need you to wire it and i was like huh what are you talking about listen that 998 dollars i gave you know he says I will reward you, pushed down, pressed over, mm-hmm. at least 17, 16 times more. Wow. And, and in that moment, the Lord, the Lord instilled, I've always been a giver, even when I was a kid, but you get greedy as you right. get older. You know, the world comes in and you get greedy and, you, and you're me, 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 me. And the Lord says, hey, it's me, me, me. I want you to give to me. Give unto me. Give unto me. When I think of Scotty, this is what I think about. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Listen, this is the call of Abraham, but we got to understand that same call of Abraham applies to us. Come on, brother. That same call of Abraham, it not only applies to us in the natural, but in the spiritual. Because here's the deal. By you becoming born again, Rome, and you becoming born again, Scotty, the people that you meet and influence, that nation is going to continue to grow because other people are going to be born again out of your witness and out of your testimony. So listen to what it says. It says, I will make you a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. I will bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. So by blessing Scotty to go, or blessing me to go, or blessing you to go, whoever does that or sows into who we are is going to be blessed because we're upholding the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're yes. proclaiming the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. You know, He don't go to Ecuador just to go on vacation. He's in the middle of the battle. He... Uh, the, he was telling me the one time he was there, he was fixing to leave on a Tuesday, and the whole family he's with is is positive. They're they're COVID hot. Mm. They're coming in hot, you know. And he's like, I gotta go home, you know. So he's living with them, and everybody in the house is positive. And, and he didn't even catch it, man. Praise God. The the Lord saw him through, and I, and I'm not saying, hey, he's gonna he's gonna keep you from getting sick. He's gonna keep you, but but you gotta understand, if you are in the heat of the moment, right where God called you, He will make a way. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna give a quick example, a good, good illustration of what this verse means to me. Growing up as a child, um, my mom, we didn't eat the cafeteria food. My mom always made mine and my brother's lunch. So we always had mama's lunch until, you know, like it was pizza day right. or they had chicken yeah. patties or something like that at lunch. Please. But, uh, <laughs> mama would always make me and Lance. Uh, she'd always put us a little sandwich bag of Doritos, you know, and it was just a fond memory that I have growing up as a child. Well, you know, mama would always pour the Doritos in the bag and the bag would be full, but I realized that there was, there was more space in there. And so, you know, I, I found out that if you when you when you put the Doritos in the little sandwich bag, if you shake it up, you know what'll happen? It'll it'll move that space and, and they'll they'll settle in there a little bit closer together. And so if you shake it up, you know what you can do? Put more. You can actually put more, more. in there. There you go. <laughs> you know? Well, we did that for a while and and then I figured out, you know what? If if you want to put more Doritos, you can also you can shake it up and then you can kind of press them down. Mm. Yeah, right. And so, man, we would fit like a almost a whole bag of Doritos in two sandwich bags, me and my brother. But we'd we'd shake it up, we'd press it down, and and that's and the Lord said, if you give, it'll be given unto you more yeah, over and above. Um, there's a, a passage of scripture. It's in First um, Timothy chapter number six, and. Um, the Apostle Paul is charging Timothy and trying to convince him to compel those that are in his assembly to give. Because obviously, 
you know, we want to watch it. We want to look out for ourselves. Self-preservation is a big thing. Yeah. We want to make sure that our family's got plenty. We've got, you know, enough to eat. And, you know, we've got three cars. And, you know, we've got comfortable homes. And we've got all, you know, we've got Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, Hulu. <laughs> we've got, you know, 70-inch uh, TV. We've got all these amenities and luxuries of life. And when we keep working, we got to have more. We got to have a camper. We got to have a boat. We've got to have 17 fishing rods. We've got to have hunting rifles. We got to have $200 Danner boots. You know, we got to have, you know, a thousand dollar iPhone. We got, we got to have all of these amenities and luxuries in life. Mm. He says, Timothy, charge your people. First Timothy chapter six, verse number nine, that they, which be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and into many Foolish and hurtful lusts. Yep. Money will lead you to a place of foolishness and hurtful lusts. And it says, and it drowns me in destruction and perdition. Yes. The love of money is the root of all evil. And it doesn't say money's evil. The love. The love of yep. money. The love of money. And when we when we hoard and we hold it all in, God's telling us to give. Yeah. Give. And you know what we say? No, I need that, God. Man, I felt it strong in my heart, guys. You know, like... When you talk, when you guys talk about the Lord telling you to give, um, when the Lord tells you to give, it, it, you'll start your mouth will start watering. Yeah, <laughs> you'll start you'll start getting a little squirm. You know, you'll start sweaty getting palms. sweaty palms. And, <laughs> the Lord, the Lord saying, "Give," and you're 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 resistant. God, I got credit card pay. We got a house pay. We got this. And God says, "Give." Key is calling, right? <laughs> do you not have Do you not have any faith? Do you not have any faith? Give, and. If we trust the word of God, you know what he, he's, he, if you give, it's going to be pressed down, shaken together, running over. God will give to you. But, but the, but the flesh says, no, I want to hold on. I want to hold on. Well, when you start holding on, Paul said, Timothy warned these guys, it's going to lead them into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Yeah. And you know what the number one cause of divorce is in America? Money. <laughs> yeah. Finances. Finances. Yeah. Stress over finances. Now, now look here. Let's just go. Let's just go right on down here. This is in the same chapter. I've been reading this all week. Verse number seventeen. The Lord laid this on my heart this week, Paul. First Timothy chapter six is verse number seventeen. Charge them which are rich in this world. Now, now, Scotty, would you say that a middle class Amer- a middle class America is not very rich? I guess according to our standards, but by by the standards of Ecuador. The rich. We're very rich. We're very blessed, right? Um, you could take a little bit from, like a little bit of money over here in, in America. I remember when we went to Brazil, I can't remember what the currency exchange rate was, but like one American dollar was like three or four uh, Brazil. Real. Yeah, it was. And, and and you could, we bought, I bought so much uh Hell, I mean, when when I went, I was eighteen years old to Brazil, right? And um, and we, and we gave we gave some money, but but the money that I took wasn't necessarily to feed villages and all, all that stuff was taken care of logistical by the the Baptist Association. Uh, I, the money that I took was to buy souvenirs, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the nature. And I and I remember I bought my my grandmother this beautiful it the with these blue butterflies in the Amazon jungle. The, I've never seen blue butterflies like that before, but we went to this little the little area and they had a, it was like a some type of art 
and it was those blue butterfly wings sealed in glass and everything. And and I thought to myself, that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, 150 Brazilian real, or I think, I thought, I thought, I thought we called them hay. I can't remember, but whatever it was. And it only cost me about 20 or 30 bucks in American money, you know? Right. So, but, but over there, it was one of the most expensive things. Yeah. But according to, you know, it wasn't, it didn't cost me very much. And so like we may think, and we, that's the thing we get trapped in our own little world and, and, but there's a bigger world outside that he said, charge them, which are rich in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly mm. all things to enjoy. So you can't outgive God. No, basically. Not at all. You can't. You can't. Is it is it scary? You've you've said it a little bit here. You've uh, alluded to it. This is the step out on the boat scenario. Mm-hmm. When this is walking by faith and not by sight. This is trusting God. And you know what? Faith is sometimes a little bit scary. <laughs> I, I've said this before. Faith is not safe. No, it's not. When you live by faith, a life that is pleasing unto the Lord, it is not safe. But it is also not reckless. Would you agree? Yes, I would. I mean, faith is not reckless. You can't just, you said, you can't just go into, you know, some of the rougher villages, whatever, and say, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Uh, have you heard about those Ecuador missionaries in the 1950s? Yeah, Shale, I've been there. Okay. Uh, so just let me tell our listeners real quick. When when Paul told me about Scotty Bells, I just done a quick Google search, Ecuador missionaries. And you know what the first thing that pulled up? Shale. <laughs> it said, who were the five missionaries who died in Ecuador? I'm like, oh, what? Well, apparently this is, there was these men these men in, in the 1950s felt compelled to go to this small village in in Ecuador. There, there was a. Um, do you know the story, Scott? Would you like I, to tell it? Well, I don't. I can't recall it all, but I have been there. They flew in, and the Indian Joe Indians killed them because they didn't want to hear this Jesus. And well, it was an indigenous tribe that hadn't been reached by the gospel yet, and so when they went in, there was five of them. Yeah, like you said, they, 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 they killed them. They killed them, and and these men became martyrs for the gospel's sake. Now, now they had families, they had children, and here's the this is the big question: What would cause these five men who had families and a a bright future? What would cause them to lay down their life for the gospel's sake? Hmm. It's a calling. I don't care who you are. It's a calling on your life. A true believer. And in America, everybody believes. But the problem in America is me, 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 me. Yeah. I have lived by Philippians 419. I have lived it and I practice it constantly. My God shall supply all my needs mm. according to his riches mm. and glory. He never promised he'd promised our wants. Mm. Right. Yeah. Our needs. And like I said, I have traveled the world between 40 and 50 trips around the world. I've never 
the glory be to God, I have never stuck my hand out and say, would you help me go on a trip? Mm. I have never. God's made a way. God has always made a way. I'm going to share this real quickly. I'm going to get back to what you're saying. When, how do you know you're in God's will? When you're getting on ready to plant a trip and you know, you know what you need and people start trying to find you, <laughs> where are you at? You know, you're leaving tomorrow. Yeah. They'll find your vehicle and stick money under the floorboard or under the mat, you know, and say, Hey, when you get in your truck, looking under your it. floor mat, I love it. And you, you, you get home and you look and you raise it up and there's, Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine thousand dollars. You know, you know. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. You know, I want to share something because it's quite real fresh on my mind. I was leaving on Sunday this last year. And on Saturday morning, I received a phone call. And I won't call their names because everybody knows them. But uh, he said, Hey, you're leaving tomorrow, right? He said, I said, Yeah. He said, I, I got some money I need to give you. I said, okay, I'm in Athens. I said, I'll swing by there. So I swing by. He meets me outside, and he walks up, and he hands me some money. And I just raised, took it, raised my console, put it in, you know, didn't think a thing in the world about it. Well, I left, and I looked at my console. I said, Man, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it was a certain amount of money. The Sunday, the last Sunday I was in Ecuador, after I got done preaching that morning, I was asked to go to a community and do a program. Yeah. And exactly what he gave me took care of that program that Sunday afternoon. It wasn't planned. Oh. But exactly what he gave me covered it. Covered that program that afternoon. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, you know, they said, I trust God. But then, as we talked a little bit about it, their faith. You know, well, now I got to take care of me. Just like I was sharing about the $55. Yeah. Scotty, I'm just going to admit right now, brother, I'm comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, I'm happy in my life. Some people say fat and sassy. You know, you just, you're comfortable, you're happy. And I don't want to go to a place where I'm not comfortable. That's that's what most people would say. And so... we just operate in this comfort zone, and, and the Lord said, get out of the boat. You want to experience blessing? You've got to go. You've got to get out of the boat. You've got to live by faith. That's what pleases the Lord. Mm. Keep going. The Bible says in John 10, 10, for the devil comes to seek, steal, and destroy. But he says, I come to give life and life more abundantly. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you, Pastor, what is abundantly? Pressed down, shaken over. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's it seems to be above just a normal life. Yeah, a, extra, right? What what does it mean to you, Paul? Lack of nothing. <laughs> just, you see, now just I agree going, with you. You know, one hundred percent. You know, and Paul is sharing in you know my life and things. You know, now I may pass today. And if I pass today and you put me in a little wooden box or whatever, you know, and people come by looking, you know, there's one thing they got to say about Scotty Bales. He lived life. Now, there is not being sarcastic, but there's not many people that is 65 years old 
can say and do the things that I have done. Mm. To me, uh, I come to give life and life more abundantly. Yeah, yeah. That is an overflow. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Deuteronomy. It's an overflow. The cup runneth over. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, there's not many people can sit back and tell the stories that I have lived, the adventure. <laughs> That's true. I've had a ball. I've done everything that I've ever wanted to do. Mm. You know, so I've lived that scripture. Yeah. But, you know, and a lot of people <laughs> sit back, you know, and I tell, I go to churches and share the events that happen. Ain't no way I'm going Ain't no way I'd do that. You know, I just yeah. laugh. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell her. <laughs> a few years ago, I was there, and I was invited to this home and to eat dinner. And I was the special guest because I was the missionary, you know, and me and three friends, we go to the home. And they sit, you know, we talk a bit. They sit down at the table, and they bring me our soup. You know, I'm tickled at you, and I'm looking at it. I said, what kind of soup is this? And it's chicken, chicken soup. I said, praise God, I like chicken soup. You know, I love chicken. I'm Baptist, you know, and uh, all Baptists love chicken. And, you know, so I'm excited. So I set it down, and uh, I say the blessing. And I took my spoon, and I rushed down in my bowl of soup to get me some, you know, some soup. And lo and behold, guess what comes out of that? A foot. A chicken foot. The claws and all still on it. I went. Ain't no way. And I put it back down. And the Lord spoke to me. This is the best they could do. This is from their heart for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I rushed in and got that foot back out. I rushed and got it and I started eating it. We laughed about it. And it's a story. Ooh, glory to God. Well, <laughs> you'd have to intervene for this, me, boy. This journey in December, four different homes, four different events. Guess what my food my food was? Chicken soup. Chicken foot soup. <laughs> so that's a delicacy, yeah. right? It's a delicacy. Oh, it gets it gets better than that to a point. But you know, as Paul says, eat what is set before you. Yeah. I'm not eating that. Mm-hmm. You know, I ain't eating chicken foot soup. You know, well, you want to starve? Now, if I didn't eat it, why should God give me something to eat the next day? Because I turned down. You know, you're talking about the delicacy. A lot of people have a lot of fun out of this, but it's real. The very first time I ever went to Ecuador, they looked at me and said, uh, Hey, Scotty, you going to eat cooey? Well, I guess. I don't know what, you know. I'll try anything once. I said, what's cooey? <laughs> guinea pig. I said, do what? He said, guinea pig. I said, I'll try it. And I did. But anyway, it's a delicacy. And, Scotty, uh, I want to uh, say this right here. And you shared this a little bit earlier. You know, we, I hate to say it this way, but in the Western church, we have this idea that it's our responsibility to save the world. Christ didn't just give that command to us, but he gave it to all believers. But in America, we've taken that on like we've got a, it's our responsibility to save the world. And here we had though, we just talked about those uh, Ecuador missionaries who they went out 
And God made a way for them, Scotty, for them to buy the plane tickets, for them to get over there. They had safe travels, and they got over there, and they died. We think that it's our responsibility to just go out and preach the gospel. Let me tell you something, and you just you just shared this because it wasn't that me. If if let me tell you, something. if I went on a mission trip and and I died and somebody killed me, my wife would be going over there and she'd be looking for blood herself. You know what I mean? That's just the way she is, <laughs> eye for an eye type person, unless the Holy Ghost got a hold of her. But you see, those, those men's wives, they couldn't press a lawsuit. Nope. They couldn't file charges. The only thing they could do, they went over there and found that tribe and said, we forgive you, we love you. They shared the gospel. People got saved. Here's, here's this is the thing. This is what I'm getting at. We think it's our responsibility to just go preach the gospel and we're done. That's not it. Nope. You've got to establish a relationship with people. Yeah, that's true. If you want to win them, Sometimes you have to meet that physical need before you meet the spiritual need. Amen. You have to establish that relationship. And you know what, Scotty? If you'd have went over there and said, well, I, I ain't eating this chicken soup, and I'm not going to. And But you know what? Jesus loves you, and I love you too, and you need to be saved. It would have been like, this, this man comes into our home and insults us and doesn't doesn't eat the food we prepare and says that he loves us. And Jesus, You know, you talked about earlier, you got to get some skin in the game. And as Christians— we got to get our hands dirty. We got to roll our sleeves up. Paul, you're in youth ministry. Brad's in youth ministry. I've been in youth ministry. You want to know, you can't just go back to those kids and start telling them what it no. is. No. You, gotta, you, gotta you can't know. just go back there and start telling them, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. Them kids need to know you care. Yep, that's true. They need to see you at ball games. Love covers a multitude you, of sins. Yes, they need to feel that love from you. And when they discover that there's something different about this man, there's something different about this woman, they care for me. They love me. That That's when the Holy Spirit, it, it breaks that ground and is ready for the seed of the gospel to be sown. You were talking about the missionaries getting killed. Uh, on th- on the Thursday morning, I got up at 7 o'clock and, uh, to drink my coffee. And Pastor Gilmos, I lived in his home, and he said, uh, Carlos, he is the Indian overseer. He said he wants to have a meeting this morning with you, Scotty. I said, great. So anyway... He comes and we're eating breakfast, and uh, we go to talking. And he's telling me two years ago there was a community that did not want no Jesus. They didn't want the religion in their community. Keep out. A guy went to share the gospel, and they killed him. And now we this don't was just him. two years ago. This is two years ago. Oh wow! wow. In Ecuador. In Ecuador, that? they killed him because they, this community said no Jesus, none, no religion. Wow. Then, as Paul said, the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden, people started dying in this community, and God pierced the hearts, and he said, uh, I have just received a call this week. They are willing to hear the gospel. Mm. Would you go? I said, yeah, I ain't scared of nothing. I'm a country boy. And that was the way I said, I ain't scared of nothing. Let's go. I ain't scared. He said, are, God, are hey, is that biblical? <laughs> yeah, God hasn't given us spirit of fear, but oh, power loves us. Second Timothy. And he says, uh, you know, I said, yeah, I'll go. He said, really? I said, yes. He said, will you do a feeding program? 
and do for the children. Again, was it planned? Yes, I will. After church on Sunday afternoon, we load up. No, it was on a Saturday. We load up on a Saturday, and we go, and we drive for like three hours. We drive to this area. I didn't think we was ever going to get there. And then we ended up having to walk nearly nearly a half a mile just to get to the top of the hill because it was rain, it was muddy and all this stuff. And we had to carry all of our stuff. And I'm going to preach the gospel, and we're going to do Christmas and food baskets for the community. We get all of our stuff up there. Oh, Carlos is already up on the stage, and he's talking in Spanish to him, and well, he's preaching. So anyway, they, we got all of our stuff up there, and they called me, and they said, are you ready? I said, yeah. So we walk around the back of the little tent area, and we're standing beside the platform, and this man is preaching the gospel. I mean, this he's in Spanish, and I don't do Spanish, but I knew, you know, and I looked, and I punched Pastor Gilmore, and I said, Man, he's preaching. He's getting it. He's getting it. And he said, yeah, he is. Then all of a sudden, he looks down at me, and he says, uh, come on up, Brother Scotty. I said, uh-uh. You got this. You finished what you started. Yeah. He was anointed for the day. Yeah. He was the man of the hour. Yeah. Now, there's people standing or sitting on the end of their chairs. And then all of a sudden, in Spanish, he gives the invitation. And I'll never forget this. To, oh, I can't, I can't mm. get it out of my mind. There was like 10 10, 11, 12-year-old kids come first. And they're standing in front of the little stage with their hands raised up and tears coming down their cheek. Mm. And then next thing you know, the adults are, they was between 75 and 80 people <laughs> out of 252 or 25. 75 or 80 people came forth and gave their life to Christ, which two years ago they would have killed a Christian. Mm. And people sit back and talk about it. You know, why do you do what you do? Yeah. Because of that. Mm-hmm. But you know, you were sitting there, and we were talking about love and Christ. You know, so many people, you know, they want to talk about it. But the Bible tells us in John, you know, love, John uh, 3, uh, 16. I'll read this two scripture. It says, by this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us, that we also ought to lay down our lives for his for for the brethren. Wow. But whoever has the, this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does he love God? Love of God abide in him, my little children. Let us not love in words or in tongue, but in deed. And truth. It's easy to sit back and say, wow. I love. Mm. I was put in a spot this year in Ecuador in front of about a thousand people. Why do you come to Ecuador, Scotty? What is it about? I love Ecuador. What about, what is it about Ecuador? It's, you know, the love of Christ. There is such a hunger. I've never seen it. But I was there with Paul. I've been in Ecuador probably 12, 13 times. I don't know. But I have yet had one Ecuadorian to come up to me with his hand out. Do you have something for me? They always give me. Mm. On a Sunday afternoon, I preached the last one of the last services I was preaching in. I preached that morning, and they asked me to go to another community. I said, yeah, you know, I love it, to do a children's program. Mm. 
not food, just the children. We loaded up and we drove for four hours. We got to this little place. It's raining. It's kind of cold. It's nasty. It's, it's not good. There were so many people in this little building that I was smothering. I was sweating. I was gagging for breath because it was just so muggy and hot and so many people. And I had to preach to the children. And I got done preaching to the children, and we gave them the to- uh, candy bags. And they asked me to go over to their temple, just a little building. And I'm standing there eating uh, a roll and a cup of juice. And this little old woman come, carrying a bag of taters. She dug out of her garden. <laughs> Handed it to me, she says, thank you for coming to my community. Mm. I'm in America. What am I going to do with 20 pounds of potatoes? Yeah, you can't bring them back. I can't bring them back. But you know what? I hugged her neck and thanked her, and I gave the potatoes to somebody that needed them. But I'm just saying, it was all she had. Mm. We're so spoiled, boy. Yeah, and and you're right, Paul. My first theory was, what what am I going to do with these potatoes? (laughs) I know. I mean, really, you think about it. And, and and like you said, she dug those out of her garden, and it's probably a necessity for her to survive. You know? But again, you give, and it shall be given to you. You know, she might have got a chicken and trade them. To, you don't ever know. I mean, we that's where our faith got to kick in, and we got to trust that we believe what this book says. Well, you give with no expectation of that's true. anything in return, Amen. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we know God's promise, but if you're it's if you're giving you're like God's promised me a 50% return on this investment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah. give and then when, when God doesn't give you what you expect, you're like then you start getting upset and you start having harboring resentment towards the Lord. that's giving indeed. Mm. You know, but that's not that's not the <laughs> truth part. You see the you see it said indeed and in truth. Yeah, right. A lot of people do it indeed or out of obligation. Yes, yeah. but the truth part is out of sincerity. Yes, out of sincerity and truth and love, mm. right? So that's how we give, guys. Let's try to find a closing point here to this. Um, it, this hour has gone by very quickly. This has been a good hour. Mm. Scotty, I love having you. Thank you for being on board. Um, give us some closing thoughts here. We- I want to say one verse scripture with you real quickly. I don't know how I do. I do believe that the end of time is near. I believe it's real soon. But, you know, God always told us so. His word would be preached to the uttermost parts. Right. In Acts chapter 1, verse, you know, verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and to all of Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Guys, it's here. You're closing. This December, I spent a little over a month in Ecuador. I was scheduled to do Christmas for 200 children, a hundred feed a hundred families and a pastor's luncheon. That was the entire journey. I pray the prayer of J Bess increase my boundaries, Lord. That's been a prayer of mine for many years, but anyway, this year, when it was all said and done, we done Christmas for over seven hundred children. 
we fed over 400 families, plus the pastor's luncheon, plus some families that's dear to my heart. I had four candy bags left over when it was all said and done. <laughs> God shall supply. Mm. You know, so me, uh, and we all, well, I trust God. We trust God till we look at it and then we question. Mm. Yeah. God's allowed me, I shared just a moment with Paul. Right now, I'm looking at three journeys back to Ecuador. God opened up a door that's an adventure abundantly. I have been invited to drive to Marcus, where the missionaries got killed, get on a crop plane, and fly to the heart of the jungle to preach the gospel to a tribe of Indians. And they said, would you go? Yes. Here's the catch on that one. Only four people can go. Because it's the only way in there. The crop plane, the pilot, the president, myself, and Guillermo. We can take four people and 500 pounds of supplies. I'm going. When am I going? I don't know. I'm going this year. But I'm also in the plans of going in July to do help build a church that's been started. And by the grace of God, I'm going to do the Christmas for the children again. again. Because it's what God's laid in my heart. Mm. I promise you this is going to be the last thing I say. (laughs) I walked in Ecuador this year on Sunday morning to preach. And a little five-year-old boy come running to me and grabbed me by the legs. He says, Scotty! You know, I loved him, you know, and he goes back up front, and I know they the folks can't see it, but you guys can. This little boy, he comes running back to me, and he had drawn, he wrote me, he made me a little letter, a Christmas card, you know, and I, I love you. And I'm trying to figure out who is this child. I don't know who it is. Yeah. So when it's all said and done, I ask questions. Last year, I gave this child a little stuffed toy, and it was the only Christmas present he got. Mm. And he remembered it. He remembered. And he remembered an American that gave him a Christmas. I want to be a blessing. That's my heart. Amen. Mm. Amen. Beautiful, Scotty. Scott, cl- or uh, Paul, close this out. We're a missionary Baptist church. And for, for two decades, I've, I've watched uh, everything he's been involved in, and I've seen the fruit of it. Um, I hope that we consider sowing into his ministry as a body. And I will say this, that little fella that he was talking about, and it goes and it sp- it spans the globe. People remember the time, the effort and the love that you sow into them. 
remember that. People remember the time, the effort, and the love you sow into them. So dig deep and plant your seed. Well, that's going to do it, folks. This has been Truth Revival with Scotty Bales. Scotty, want to thank you for coming on board today. Be sure to check us out on Truth Revival 37385. That's at Facebook. Also, like and share the episode. We're on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts. We're on pretty much every major platform. Be sure to like and share the show. It's Truth Revival. For Paul Chapman, I'm Roman Hamilton. We're out of here.